1: Welcome back to another edition of the Internet's Most Dangerous Tottenham Hotspur Podcast. I am barely here as your host, Greg, and I am joined by my regular co-host, Brian and Ben, and we are here to talk about two oddly exciting games by Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, Ben, were you
0: actually entertained by Spurs this week? I wouldn't believe it if you had told me about it last week, but I I sure was. I, I mean after like, the miserable week we had before that with Brighton and Chelsea. Um, and I guess really extending a lot further back than that. Uh, yeah, quite a turnaround.
1: Brian, are you all in on Jose now?
2: Uh, all in on Jose out? No, I, I don't know. Whatever. It was fine. We still <laughs> lost to
1: Everton. Well, I can't think of a better transition than that. Let's talk about our extremely stupid loss. 5-4 to Everton in overtime in the FA Cup. This was... A bunch of people said something like this on Twitter, um, and I'm forced to agree with them. This this is the kind of incredibly stupid match that kind of helped me fall in love with Spurs. It was entertaining from end to end, and uh, we've talked a lot on this podcast about we're a little harder on Spurs than we are on other teams. I frankly think Spurs deserve to win this game. I think we crushed them in chances created, but they just got two really sort of unlikely... Sh- they, they hit their shots. Um, they got two really unlikely shots in, and they were gifted just the softest penalty imaginable. I, I still can't believe they were given that penalty. Uh, and, you know, if they don't have that sort of 10-minute run, I think we just... We played them off the pitch. Uh, I, it was an incredibly stupid game. We haven't seen a game that stupid in quite a
2: while. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. This was like the Martin yole Harry Redknapp type, you know, back and forth stuff that, you know, uh, th- that I first saw when I became a Spurs fan. Uh, I-, I found I didn't enjoy it uh, as much as I used to. Not that it wasn't fun. Like, it definitely was fun. We had a lot of shots. We created a lot of good chances. But the Pochettino era, and to a lesser extent, the Jose Mourinho era, had gotten me used to, like, reasonably competent defending and like some of the stuff that like some of the mistakes that we that we made were bad like like the penalty
1: it wasn't a penalty but you know
2: there were still
1: well I want to complain about the penalty for just a second not only was it awful and not a penalty in his last year or two at Spurs that happened to Bale all the time like literally like every other game Bale would be running down the field and someone would clip his legs and he'd get a fucking yellow card or something or told to stop diving. And, you know, pundits would imply that he wasn't a man because he went down so easily when clearly, you know, you're hauling ass down the pitch and you get tripped up, you fall over. And we never got that penalty. And, this, you know, he, like, gently gets his foot clipped by by Hoiberg. Hoiberg. And, I don't know, I, I just can't believe that he just... That not only did the referee give it, but the video review wasn't like, I don't know, maybe not. Well,
2: I mean, later in the game, Deli Alley gets booked for diving on a foul on not I'm not saying that what happened to Delhi Alley was a penalty, but if, if what happened
1: earlier in the game was a penalty, then what happened to Delhi is a penalty. Well, it wasn't even a penalty necessarily. Like he was just getting out of the way. Like you don't have to I don't think any of us would have been mad if they didn't Brandish a card or call a foul there. Like, Delly was getting out of the way of a foul. Like,
2: Oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not a foul. I don't think... I think if that would have been a no-call, like, as a Spurs fan, you would have been like, ah, and then you, you would have moved on from it. But, yeah, that's a, that's something that's typically a no-call. And then the fact that on the other end, there was a, I I don't know. But but what I'm saying is, is, is overall, the defending was a little bit kind of on ice skates. We saw... You know, and maybe it's an aberration because we saw mistakes from Hojbjerg, which we don't usually see. Um, you know, we saw a mistake from from Larice. Like, I, I, I get it, but it it's more fun to watch when we are competent in the back and we're restricting good chances um, and then also attacking and being fun. Um, I think that's the ideal world for soccer, just generally speaking.
0: I mean, I think the thing is, is like we weren't not competent in the back. Like, yes, we conceded five goals. And that sure doesn't look like a stellar defensive performance. But it's, like, I don't think we're typically very competent at the back. Like, we make the same kind of dumb giveaways, the dumb errors that lead to goals all the time. Like, none of that felt new. That didn't feel like, you know, suddenly Spurs defense can't stop, you know, literally, you know, scoring own goals on themselves. Like, we do that all the time. What was different, though, was that we managed to score four goals the other end, which we have not seen in forever. And,
1: you know... could have scored more, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, we had, like, 20-something shots, 29 shots, which, yeah, there's some extra time in there, but it was, like, 20 shots in, in the, in regulation, and, like, that's a lot of shots. Harry Kane had 10 shots in his, you know, brief appearance um, in the match. And, I think it's very easy to say, like, oh, well, we, we went out attacking and we abandoned our normal defensive shape. So as a result, we conceded all these goals. But that's that's not what happened. Like, there's no cause and effect there. We didn't concede goals because, you know, we were piling on down the other end of the pitch and then like, they broke down and countered on us or something like that. Or we didn't have men back to, like, prevent chances. It was mostly the same dumb fucking giveaways And the same dumb kinds of mistakes that we always make. I
1: I kind of disagree with you on that. I mean, I think you're right in that it was the dumb mistakes, but I feel like usually those dumb mistakes come on the end of sustained pressure. And I don't really feel like Everton created that much sustained pressure. I mean, they had that period of, you know, that like I said, that 10 minutes where they scored those three goals, too, if we're just talking about, you know, actual open play goals. But it wasn't like they were creating a ton of chances. Like They just sort of scored their shots. But like you said, Ben, it was like, on the one hand, these are the kind of dumb things we do. It just I just feel like those things are usually born out of a lot of pressure. And that seems to be where we... Br- like we talked about it last week on the podcast. It feels like a lot of our defensive mistakes are that back line just gets put under so much pressure that eventually it snaps. And this week, it's just they're dumb and can't keep their shit together. And maybe that's what happens all the time. And and we're know. also playing kind of
2: a second choice back line. You know, I mean, with the exception of Alderweireld's out there, and I guess Davis is maybe your first choice left back if you're Jose Mourinho. But I mean, you don't have Regulon. You know, uh, Sanchez is playing over either Rodon or David or Dyer, and and. Doherty is you're right back, and then Sissoko. You know, uh, so it's not like this was our best defense, but these weaker links, quote unquote, were were also just like I don't know. It was just sloppy at times. I mean Davinson. There were a couple times Davinson didn't get close to players, but he also made some. He also scored two goals. So he scored a great I, goal. I, I, or the second I mean, that second goal was incredible. You know, the was,
0: first header was really good too. Yeah, like, yeah.
2: So, I mean, I guess, you know, I have to pick and choose my battles here. like um But, you know, there's a couple of counterattacks. Uh, I'm thinking of one late in the game where Richarlison almost scored and Davinson just never gets close to him. And, you know, I, I don't know. It's- well,
1: I want to get to some of our defensive lapses in a minute because um, I think we're going to have to talk about extra time. But I do want to – I know we have a tendency to so get a little negative – on this podcast. So I I want to single out the attacking play, which I thought was until extra time, absolutely stellar. I think this team was great. I think they deserved a win, even if they were kind of flaky at the back. I, I thought up and down, everyone who started, almost everyone who started this game in attack was excellent. Uh, Bergvine had one of his best games, I think in a Spurs shirt. I think, you know, Kane looked sharp as hell when he came on. I thought Sun did a really good job inter- interplaying with them. I, I just think, you know, I, I think the way that we were using Ndombele was great. It, it was a really, honestly, like we, we complained last week. We've talked a lot on this podcast about we can't put a coherent attack together. We just kind of lump, lump it up and hope Sun or Kane figures it out. And against the first choice-ish, I mean, I know this Everton team is a little depleted in midfield, but... Still, we've played we've played bad midfields and bad teams before this year and haven't looked nearly this exciting. And we did a lot of this without Harry Kane on the pitch. Um, obviously, it got really dynamic when he was on the pitch, but I was very impressed by what we did. And it made me wonder why we haven't been doing this more often this season.
0: Yeah, I mean, so, you know, after our ill-fated experiment with the back three... um we've now switched in the last two games to a 4-2-3-1 that has seen both Lucas and Lamella come into the team. Um, Lucas had an assist against West Brom and, you know, I honestly didn't think either of them were great in that match. They were better, um, I think, than maybe what we had seen recently. Um, But in this match, the two of them, I thought, were both just Fantastic! This is Lamella's best and, match
1: in forever, and I don't mean that as I think LaMelo has his uses, but I think this was an incredible match from him.
0: But I think like the biggest thing is like it makes such a difference, you know, especially without our our attacking fullbacks. We've been playing games where the only players who are in the attacking phase are Kane and Son, and it's usually Kane gets the ball at like half field and tries to you know feed Son through the back line. Like we had moves where we had, like, five and six guys in the box. And, like, that is just something we have not seen. We haven't seen interplay between that many attackers all at once moving down the field in, like, organized, concerted fashion and, you know, just passing around freely and 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 guys
1: setting up, like, Bergvine had a couple really good chances that he was unlucky not to score. Lucas had the same. Well, scored a hell of a goal at the end of the first half. I mean... Really, there was just a lot of chance creation going around, and it's just, like I said, It's I'm just glad it's here, but you got to wonder where this was all season. I think the key here is, I think if you want to explain this in the West Brom match, it's Sissoko and Winks aren't playing. Well, at least for most of this match. But I think it's Sissoko and Winks aren't playing, and, I mean, I know Winks hasn't played for longer, but Sissoko in particular, I think you slot in Lucas and Lamella, and I I think the difference is remarkable, to be honest with you.
0: Well, you well, shifted the midfield. From having Abdomble at that 10 spot where he's not as able to you know influence the game as much because you have Suzoko in midfield, and now Jose seems to have finally acknowledged that Hoybjerg and Adam can play a midfield two together, and it just gives you so much more at such an earlier phase in the game. Both when we don't have the ball, it means that you have two guys who can work hard and defend on the front foot a little bit and you know win turnovers higher up the pitch. And when we have possession, we start possession out of the back, we're giving the ball to Ndombele, and he can move it forward to the four attackers in front of him rather than move the ball to Suzoko, who tries to pass it to fucking the other team, you know. I'm just,
1: fully on board with when Lo fit again. Like, put him at the 10, put him on the right. Like, I want to see him in an attacking role. Yeah, I, I think Lamella is the the big addition
2: here. Because, I mean... I A healthy Eric Lamella, as a as a sort of even if he's playing as a defensive number ten, is is still a more dynamic and more useful football player than Musa Sissoko is ever going to be. And and like Ben said, being able to have Dembele in the pivot is great for Spurs in terms of the build up and and you know. The has been really good the last two games. I know. I know you guys said that you know he wasn't great against West Brom, but you know he 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 is an option. He is, and he is someone who works hard when he is out on the pitch until you are forced to withdraw him before he does something stupid. Um, and and I mean the Everton match I thought was a great example of what he can do when he is allowed to influence the game and when he makes good decisions and quick decisions and you know especially in the Everton match he was getting the ball out of his feet quickly he was distributing it to uh son and and to uh Lucas and Bergvine early excuse me early and not holding on to it and not running himself into cul-de-sacs which is what he kind of tends to do, he even and did a little it, bit of
1: that in this. He did do a little bit of that in this game, but he he was just he was still doing all that stuff you were talking about. He's... Sure,
2: you can't you can't like you can't totally take that out of him. He's <laughs> going to do that like two or three times a game, and he's going to do an amazing slide tackle. And because I I think at least twice, I thought he was going to make a red card tackle on somebody. He never and, does. He never and, will. He didn't, and he didn't. Um, so you know, it was. Uh, you know, I, I look, we're all big Eric Lamella fans. We love watching him play. I don't see why he wasn't played earlier. I mean I see why he wasn't played earlier because of injuries, but like he seems like a Jose player. He's an asshole. He he works hard. He makes the tackles. I you know, if the only way he's not a Jose player is he turns the ball over, I guess. But I mean um, I think
1: but I think you're seeing the difference between and I understand that like fitness is an issue with Eric Lamella like that is the reason Musa Sissoko keeps getting into teams is because he's always fit and he's always got energy to run but the thing about Lamella is even if he's having a bad game which he hasn't he's still capable of like threading a pass or making that defensive run he's, still, he's always got that in his locker and I understand that, in theory, Spurs should have a player who can do those things better at this point in Eric Lamel's career, but it's such an improvement over Sissoko that, you know, it's just, when Sissoko's having a bad game, there's just, it's a total black hole. When is having a bad game, he can at least still do certain things.
0: I mean, when has a with, good game, it's a black hole. Right, even when Sissoko's playing his best, he's still not a guy who can make great passes out of midfield. He's a guy who's going to dribble into blind alleys and turn the ball over. He's a guy who's not going to defend well because he's not very positionally astute. Like, he he does the things that Lamella does on a bad day, and Lamella on a bad day is still, like you said, capable of something sublime. But, like, I, I just really wonder why we haven't tried to attack with a third or fourth attacker before, like why is that? I can tell you somewhere? why, Jose
1: I, Mourinho. Yeah, he's risk adverse. Like I mean, there's all that famous quote about like, you know, he looks at those like there was a it was a Tottenham game he was talking about back when he was first in the league, and it was like a four four or something like that. He's like, that's a hockey score. That's ridiculous. That's not how you should play. He wants to control these games, but I think he realized after you know the fact that we were having a, you know, not because but you know I think it's telling that the we, week we had a hour-long discussion about is Mourinho going to get fired before the end of the month, you know, that kind of momentum that he was facing, courtesy of Wheelie Dealer Radio, um, That the fact that he was facing that kind of it. momentum, I think he's got to just try shit now, and I think he realizes that locking it down ain't going to work. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but, you know, not against City or Liverpool, but you know, shootouts might be the best strategy for him until he can buy some better center backs and you know, get some fullbacks healthy. I mean, I I mean look, if, if, if there's something this team has, it is attacking
2: midfielders. Um, you know, we don't have great center backs, but we've got all of our attacking midfielders are pretty good. Um, you know, we can debate whether they all deserve to start on a Champions League caliber team or not, but, you know, Lamella and Lucas and Deli Alley um, and Bergvine all serve Spurs better than us having either a third centre back or a Musa Sissoko out there. We're Harry wings. Um, yeah, and, and, and you know, look, I appreciate Moussa Sissoko to an extent. He's been a good servant to the club. He's always available. He tries hard. He's he's played some important matches. He scored some important goals. He's trying to fight anyway. West Ham players. Yeah, it's it's just not enough anymore because like and it's not even just because of like the videos that do the rounds on twitter that's like he's not showing for the ball he doesn't do the right thing it's just that there are there are better ways to play like in terms of formation and there are just better players that we can put on the pitch and we don't have to do a lot of formation gymnastics or tactical switches to do those things I, literally, all we have to do is slide in Dombele back and then play anybody else of the 10. Whether that's Lucas, Lamella, Deli Alley, Gareth Bale, uh, Harry Kane, and put Vinicius at the 9. Like It doesn't matter what it is. There are any number of things that you can do to avoid having a Musa Sissoko or a Harry Winks on the pitch. And I, I'm hopeful that Jose has finally figured that out. I mean, I'm sure now he will start against Manchester City,
1: um, but <laughs> well, like I said, if it happens, it's almost certainly because he's fit and he can run. And
0: but if it doesn't happen, I think that's that's interesting. I think it is yeah.
1: I think I think you're going to start to see again. Where our fixture list is about to get real congested again, but I, I think it's telling that we did these two games in a row especially a knockout game in a cup competition without Sissoko on the pitch. I, I think it's extremely telling.
2: I mean, he came on the pitch eventually, but as a well, right back.
1: Yeah, but,
0: yeah. <laughs> you know, the thing you got to wonder is, like, okay, so Jose was feeling a little hot under the collar and switched things up for West Brom, which was maybe not must-win, pretty close to a must-win, I think, for his career at Spurs. And then, again, at Everton, you know, he's talked a lot about, like, well, you know, I still have 3 trophies I can win. Well, now you got 2. And how is how is the Jose pendulum going to swing? You know, is it going to be is he going to stick with with this thing that has been fun and like interesting or is he going to try and go back and grind out against City? Cuz like I mean let's let's just beat it out here. City is almost certainly a loss. Like anything we did yes. in that match is I think is great. But City aren't on an obscene run of form. They just And blasted literally. Even if we
1: win that game, I think you can toss whatever we do formation-wise out the window. Like, we're going to do something specifically because it's City, and you won't be able to read a lot into it going forward.
0: But I I mean more in terms of, okay, so for Jose, we get knocked out of the FA Cup, and then we lose to City. Let's just pretend that that's a given. We then play West Ham, and... You know what you happened last time we played with West Ham? It did not go very well. West Ham are currently above us in the table. They're in very good form. You know. And then, if we lose to then West Ham, like, Jose's getting a very we right very back accrieved. in the same situation where, Yeah. Uh, what kind of a reprieve did West Brom buy him? Yeah. And then we're staring down at the first knockout in, in the Europa League, which is, again, another real do-or-die situation. So, like, there's a, there's a lot of pressure. I well, think, let's, in the next let, let's get
1: this let's get this out of the way. If Jose Mourinho gets knocked out of the Europa League by Wolfsburg's non-union Austrian equivalent, like he's definitely in trouble. Regardless of what else happens, we could be six. Pochettino got knocked out of the Europa League by Ghent. You know, I don't know. So
0: I, I, I... that's a very different circumstance.
1: I think I think you're right, Ben, and I think Jose Mourinho has eased the pressure off, A, because we beat West Brom, and B, frankly, we played two fun-as-shit games. And if Mourinho had been playing like this a little bit more this year, I think we would all be a little less miserable about everything.
0: I know, I, me as a fan, again, I'm happy to see this. I'm, happy, think, to see it well, like, I'm happy to see us go down swinging. I know we keep playing like this. It should turn into results, because yeah. that attack can't be very good. Well, because Everton got lucky.
1: But, Everton turned like... They're few shots into goals, and they got a soft-ass penalty and played long enough for Harry Winks to come on the pitch. And, you know, it's – I think you're right. If we keep playing like this – and honestly, if, if Jose – sorry, I am dealing with an awful sore throat. If, honestly, if Jose did come out and be like, we got a style, we're working on it, we don't have the men at the back, we're going to work on that over the summer, I would be much more receptive to, to that kind of like – I need summer signings if this was how we've been playing all year. And the problem is clearly just, like, I need better center backs. Like, or, and, like, I need a better midfielder to replace Musa I would be much more receptive to that argument if this is how we've been playing all year. But, but you know, watching this
2: game, like, these last two games just makes me really wonder what this team, like, looks like with even, like, a marginally fun manager. Yes. And yes. You know, like you know, not to say that there were any available or any that would have been good hires at the time we hired Jose Mourinho. I, I don't want to, you know, relitigate that case. But what I'm saying is is if this group of players with the attacking talent available to us had just been let loose for, you know, any portion of this season, Would we have maybe gotten results in some of these games that we didn't? Would we have gotten better results against, you know, Newcastle against um, uh, I'm trying to think of the other Sheffield, you know, like would would the? I guess we won Sheffield United. Uh, But any of the other matches where we played like shit and we're angry because we didn't attack or take any of the impetus like would that have been better? I, I have to think yes.
0: I think some to, of the say, matches
2: against the big teams have been better. I don't know. But they would have been more interesting. Here's more the thing. Mourinho is
1: this, like, he's supposed to be this tactical mastermind. He's supposed to get all, all this shit out of the club. He should be able to coach us in such a way where, like, we could play that way against Liverpool or City or Chelsea. And then we should be able to play like this against the Neverton. Like, there's, there's nothing wrong with switching those gears. We did it under Pochettino some of the time. It's there's nothing wrong with playing a different way against a bigger team that's just better than you. And I, I agree with you, Brian. I think we've got the horses to play much better, and that's partly why I kind of have been I've gotten over Jose is I think it wouldn't take much, both in terms of coaching and a transfer window, to turn this into an exciting Champions League level team. I think if you got the right manager in here and got one or two players that aren't that expensive, this team isn't far away from being f- fun at a
0: minimum. I mean, I think the thing is, is like, you don't need to hire a Jose Mourinho to lose five, four. Like you can manage a team and get this team to lose five, four, you okay. know, like man, you replace Jose with Solskjaer, whose big tactical innovation has been to not be a dick to everybody all the time. And like, kind of just like put out a basic, you know, football one oh one kind of structure and let his good players play football. And like, by and large, it works. Like,
1: yep. Combine you know, that with, uh, with Manchester United getting all the calls from the referees, and it works pretty well. Right.
0: So. And, like, you know, I mean, I think that, that maybe undersells Ole's progression as a manager, but, like, when he got there, that was basically what was happening. He was like, hey, Pogba, do you want to play again? Great. And, like, you know, like, so, yeah, you're right. Somebody just, like, let these guys off the leash a little bit and let them play football because they're obviously talented, like, and maybe this is... has got to do something.
1: We're, we're, we're not the extra inch. We don't have a sideshow with a guy who actually coaches footballers. But I, I kept thinking during this match, like, boy, what would Bergvine have done with some of these chances if he was allowed to attack like this more often? Because I think that's like, with him in particular, I'm frustrated because we know he can do this sort of defensive winger donkey work that Mourinho wants him to do. And there are matches where I'm fine if that's the strategy. like at Liverpool, Chelsea, whatever. But... We never seem to use him as just a straight-up attacker like we did in this game. And there was a chance he had. um, He got the ball sort of free on the left, I think. And he sort of kicked it straight at their keeper, which is, you know, fine. That happens. But I just remember thinking, like, oh, Sun would have buried that. Now, I don't think he's as good as Sun. But I think if he'd been, like, taking shots from those kind of angles more often, maybe he does a better job with that chance. But instead, he's just, you know, he's got to get his ass back and get in the way of, you know, other teams' attackers. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to make this all about Mourinho because, frankly, he wasn't the problem this week, or at least any more than he usually is. Can
2: can we devote just like a few seconds to the referees? I I know you know our colleague Vince would want us to talk
1: about awful, just awful. This was a terrible (laughs) officiating game.
2: (laughs) Look, we talked about the penalty. We talked about the Deli Alley yellow card, but like just all the rest of the officiating was also bad. I I think we as a podcast very rarely talk about referees and refereeing decisions because I think it's a boring thing to do. And I think, you know, if you wanted to hear VAR far discourse, you could literally tune into every other podcast. But this match was so bad. Like that, I I just have no idea what the referee was watching for a lot of it, and and some of the decisions were, they were just laughable. They were, I, and and the, some of the ones that went against Spurs were, or some of the calls that benefited Spurs were also bad. Like he he was just bad across the board.
1: Yeah, he looked like a Old Webb character. He was terrible.
2: I <laughs> mean. And that's, that's all for Officiating Corner. Vince, you're welcome. Uh, we can now move on to other stuff.
1: I want to talk about Harry Winks. Um, we have been very <laughs> down on Harry Winks for a long time. Uh, I feel like all of Spurs fandom has caught up with us this week, uh, if they weren't already there. I, it, it, I I think maybe it sounds harsh to say that I think this game turned when Winks and Dua lesser that Sissoko came on, but... All that attacking verve, all that sort of positive play just seemed to go out the window. Uh, I mean, just terrible. He was was very bad, and I mean, I I think one of the big failings of Spurs... We've talked a lot about the failings of Spurs in the transfer windows the last few years. I think one of our biggest failings is we have not upgraded our backup midfielders. We just... There's been this bizarre idea, and I understand that Harry Winks is a young player, but... I feel like the idea that he was going to progress or get any better at, at Spurs, like that thats I feel like that was gone at least a year ago. I don't know what he's still doing here. I don't know why we still have him here. Clearly this guy needs a change of scenery. It's interesting because, like, look, he's a homegrown player.
2: So that always has value to a club like Spurs. Uh, I mean, Scott McTominay continues to play minutes for Manchester United. Um you know, he's but, better
0: than Harry Winks.
2: Yeah, which is weird to think, right? Um, yeah, I, I, it's tough because there is, like I said, there's value to a player like Harry Winks. I think he's a decent squad player if you want to play in a particular type of way. Spurs don't play that type of way. And he's, I, I said this at the beginning of the season when we did one of the, the dual podcasts with the Extra Inch. He's devolved into the mark noble kind of pointing and shouting type of midfielder and he's just not he, he he's not good and that's
0: all he ever was.
2: <laughs> yeah, all right, yeah, so maybe maybe what I mean is not devolved but he hasn't progressed beyond the pointing and shouting type of midfielder. Um there's a point at which as
1: fans we can look at a guy like him who's like 20 whatever when he came up played a little bit better than we all thought he was and like we can dream on it but frankly Spurs need to be a little more ruthless and they should and again I don't want to be too harsh because as someone pointed out like he had that bad ankle injury someone say he's never been the same since I, I have not watched him closely enough to say that but Certainly he has not progressed and I understand, like you said, Brian, he's homegrown, both in terms of like what that means for squad and what that means in terms of where he came from. You don't want to give up on those guys, but a huge I think you can almost tie it back to when we signed Sissoko instead of Winaldum. Like just imagine this squad over the last few years if like the first guy off the bench or the first guy in after an injury is Winaldum and not Sissoko or Harry Winks.
2: I mean Look, Winks is—I I still think Winks is a Premier League level midfielder. I think you put him on. It's not a Champions know,
1: League level midfielder, or whatever else we. Want no, to say no, no, no. I him. don't
0: disagree. with I that. I don't think he's a Premier League level midfielder. Like, I don't think there's any team that would benefit from Harry Winks. Honestly, you
1: don't think you'd go to Burnley and do a job? Yeah, I, I do would not. Say Burnley. Ashley Newcastle, Westwood is a pretty good,
0: creative, progressive midfielder for like a shitty team. I no, I don't think he would. He's not as good as John Joe Shelby. John Joe Shelby can at least like pick a forward pass. Like, I fully believe you know, like Ryan Mason went to Hull and like, you know, whatever happened afterwards is not the point. But like that's the where Ryan Mason, who we thought was a Champions League level midfielder, and then no, he's a championship level really? midfielder. Well, everybody but Brian <laughs> Spurs <laughs> thought Ryan Mason was a champions league level midfielder. Tom Carroll had aspirations of, you know, these guys, Jake Livermore, who I guess is back in the Premier League now, but they they ended up being championship level midfielders
2: i i honestly would have rather we kept carol over winks cuz if you're talking about like similar profile ish players players who are nominally ball recyclers and passers of the ball uh, I would've The problem that isn't that
1: we kept Winks over Carol. The problem is we should have sold Winks like we sold Carol. Like, yeah, sure. you get rid of these guys before, like, okay, they're fine, they're depth, but, like, someone at Spurs needs to just look at them at a certain age and be like, well, eh, no. like, And get rid of them before their value diminished. Like, like, Carol's value diminished. Um,
0: like, Jack Wilshire's value diminished.
2: And and, you know, look, there are there are these young and English players that seem to come around every couple of years. That that the media they get media attention, they get national team attention, they get fan attention. I get it. I understand where it comes from. Sure, And, and and it's just like at a certain point, like you said, Greg, we probably should have cashed in and upgraded. Like Harry Kane has England caps. And at a certain point, you should have been like, "Yep, all right, goodbye." And then, and then traded Winx. him in for Winx. The...
1: Harry Winks has England caps. Yeah, what is that? did I King. say? Kane? Yeah, my Sorry. Harry, Just, Harry just Winks to be has clear, yeah. yeah, wrong, Harry. Sorry.
2: Um, it, Winks has England caps, and we should have cashed in on that. Like, and we could have, you know, traded him in for you know a player like. Jude Bellingham, who is really good for Dortmund right now, or you know, any other number of young promising English players, or any number of young promising players already in our academy that we could have given minutes to, um, and or, or, or just, I don't know, an established midfielder, like anybody that we could have signed ever I don't
0: know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's the, the, good, the good news is because he's still English, because he still has those England caps, like, someone will buy him from us. So, like we'll for always $10 be million
2: more player. than what he's worth.
1: Too. So, I want to focus on this game and his performance in it for just a second. Ben, what happened when Harry Winks came on the pitch? Like, what did he do? Like, specifically, how does he just, like, neuter Spurs attack when he comes on the pitch?
0: I mean, by being terrible? Yes, like well, specifically draw video. that out. Draw that
1: out a little bit for us,
0: Ben. <laughs> uh, I can point you to a very good compilation video uh, going around the internet. Um, no, I mean, a, like, you know, as much as in was pressing winning turnovers in midfield and then taking that opportunity to launch attacks through our, our extending midfielders in front of him, uh, Winks does none of that. He does not win the ball. He does not play good forward passes. Um, but what he does do is lose the ball very, very frequently, uh, because he p- picks up the ball and has no awareness of what's around him. There was one, one moment where he tried to pick up a pass and then did a roulette straight into an Everton player and fell on his ass and sprung a counter the other way. Uh, he doesn't cover space well. He doesn't ever seem to know where he should be running or who he should be tracking or where the ball is likely to go. Um, and, uh, yeah, so like, all the things a midfielder is supposed to do, he didn't do those things. So now at both ends of the pitch were worse. Uh, and then, of course, we had the final chance of the game fall to him at the top of the box. And he takes a shot that goes sideways. Um, and it was just like the, just the perfect feather in the cap of his entire Spurs career. Which just,
1: is kind of sad. because it's sad. Maybe the one really thing sad. you don't want to get on his case. It's like, okay, you're not great at shooting the ball and you're a midfielder. That's not.
0: Look, why are you taking that shot? That's a good why point. Why are you taking
1: you should have pretended it was a cross. Maybe it would have gone in then. Yeah. So the other thing yeah, that happened who's actually
2: is... surprisingly good at crossing is Musa Sissoko. <laughs> I, I'm all for the Musa Sissoko right back transition. Though. I mean,
1: I... It, it's better than Musa Sissoko as a midfielder. I'll tell you that much. It's better, it's better than Doherty as a Doherty. fullback. <laughs> yeah. So I want to stay in midfield. The other return to midfield in this game was Deli Ali, who. I don't know how much we can say I thought he looked decent um, for all things considered. I don't think he was, you know, certainly wasn't vintage Deli Alley for him. But, you know, that guy's a lot of rust to knock off. I think it's hilarious that he is back because Mourinho's in trouble and Levy refuses to sell him. But I'm just happy he's back because if this ends with Deli Alley being good for Spurs again in some form or fashion, I'll be very happy.
2: I mean, I was all in favor of us loaning him to PSG for him to get game time in January. But now that he's here... I mean, I'd rather have him getting game time with us, but... <laughs> of course. And I don't know. I just... We all talked about how Deli Alley was a great Jose player when Jose first started managing us. We're like, jo- De- Jose likes hard-working 10s that are willing to do the dirty work... And, you know, that can also pop up and score goals. And we thought, you know, all right, he can be with a little bit of work, he can be Oscar for Spurs. And it turned out that we made Ndombele into that. And um which didn't not work. But but it marginalized Deli Alley and, and I think it's hard to Look at the way things have gone, at least in the past couple months or since November anyway, and say that this team couldn't have benefited from Deli Alley being on the pitch more. I know we talked about how Eric Lamella has made a difference, but Deli Alley is on balance, definitely a better player than Eric Lamella. He does different things, but if you would have slotted him into the 10 or even if you'd have played him in midfield instead of Sissoko, this would have been a better, more balanced team. And to see him come on and do some Delhi Alley things, even if it's not peak Delhi Alley, is really encouraging. And, and I, I still have no faith that he will be allowed to do more deli alley stuff or be allowed more minutes. Um, in the same way that last year we didn't have faith that Indombalay would ever get to play, or that you know, at the beginning of this season that we'd ever see Indombole and Laselso on the field yep. at the same time
1: is definitely going to play because Jose's sort of zone of hatred has moved to another player, which is Gareth Bale.
0: Yeah, and honestly, like, if the only thing signing Gareth Bale did was let somebody useless be a lightning rod for Jose's hate, like, great. Because, you know, I, I mean, every time we've seen that move... Um, it's made us better. It's like he, he was shooting with Ndombele and then he stopped and then we got to see Ndombele and he immediately made us better. I'm like, yeah, it made us not have Deli Alley, and that sucked. But Ndombele is a way more crucial piece of this team because we do have Lamellos and Lucases that we theoretically could have been using all this time and just didn't. Um, and, but now that we aren't or haven't been, uh, Adding a Deli back into this team is great. Like, we've been missing that extra attacker. He can do all those things. So, fine. Feed with Gareth Bale. Like.
1: And Ben, I know your head's going to explode when, like, Deli Alley's playing well in two months and Jose Mourinho is talking about all the great work that Jose Mourinho has done to make Deli Alley a top player again. Honestly, it will be funny to me. And I I frankly don't give a shit as long as Deli Alley is playing well for us again. And. I will be able to deal with it. But yeah, it is.
0: Weird. I think what Jose saying dumb shit is like, as long as it's working and we're winning and we're fun, like, who cares? Like,
1: yeah. say the dumb shit. Exactly. Exactly. It only bothers me when we're getting our asses kicked. Um, yeah, Gareth Bale seems to be. There was a. I don't know who said it. Uh, I remember. Maybe it was AVB. Maybe it was someone at Madrid. Someone once compared Bale to, like, a sports car and he was like very, like it was very hard to maintain him and he had to be very fine tuned and it was very easy to throw him off. And I just remember thinking that it was like, yeah, Bale's got a lot of muscles, I guess like whatever. I remember just sort of just dismissing it at the time. I think that's probably really true now. Like he doesn't seem right. Now Mourinho's kind of pissed at him. And like, I think it's actually one of those situations where like, I think Bale's probably right. There's probably something kind of wrong with his body and he's being a little precious about it and also if I was a coach of this team I would probably be getting a little tired of how Gareth Bale's never fit um, but it is what it is and like I said if like like Ben said rather uh, if Mourinho's going to feud with someone it might as well be someone who's not really doing much for us well
2: and I think one of the things that we've heard consistently about Gareth Bale especially from journalists that covered him in Spain was what he really needed was a run of like 10 or 12 consecutive games in the team where he got, you know, 75 to 90 minutes. And he hasn't gotten that. And he hasn't ever shown anything in any of the cameos that he has gotten to show that he even deserves it. Um, yeah, I got to say, of all the
1: things Mourinho's done this year, like, I'm not sure I can blame him for not giving Bale, like, a run of matches. <laughs> it's- yeah, because, you know, what, what – Look, when we signed him, what we
2: wanted for him was to, you know, at least use the early part of the season to come on for the last, you know, 25 to 30 minutes and just crush people at the end of games. And he's never done that. He's never he, – I mean, he comes on at the as a substitute and he barely gets on the ball. He scored a couple he, nice headers and
0: – He doesn't move. He can't run. Like, that's the thing. It's like we're expecting lightning Gareth Bale or at least like – I, wasn't expecting, quick I was expecting mail.
1: something like what we saw at the end of that West Ham match, in his first match, that, like, okay, he's not going to blow past everyone, but he can still move well in space, he can do football things.
0: I, I, mean, he, I thought he was still capable of running a sprint. Like, I really didn't think he had <laughs> lost his legs that badly. But like,
2: He's not. And, I mean, he's still one of the best... You know, free kick takers in the world, I think, and I really would have liked to have had him on the field to take the free kick at the end of this Everton match. But you know, I I understand why you would play other people instead of him. Like, and you know, he had an injury, and so he wasn't even in the team, so it didn't matter. But like, I I don't know. It's it's frustrating because we took on all this salary, and as a fan. You wanted to dream on it. You wanted, even if you knew logically, he wasn't going to be old Gareth Bale. He wasn't going to be the Gareth Bale that you know took Inter Milan to task. He wasn't going to be the Inter Milan that, or the the Gareth Bale that runs you know out of bounds to go around the defender to score the goal in the cup final. Like that, that's not the Gareth Bale that he is now. But like Ben said, you expected him to be able to sprint. You expected him to. Occasionally, do a step over and take a man on, and and cut inside and take a shot. And yeah, we've just seen him take literally shots, none like, of that. Yeah,
1: you've just seen none of that. And uh, even in, even against some fairly garbage opposition in the Europa League, he hasn't really. You know, it's not like he's been like kicking their ass and then like play then like sort of playing down in the Premier League. It's he just doesn't look there, and you know, I. I I always thought a lot of what was going on in Spain had to do with injuries and, um, you know, his manager's just frankly not liking him and frankly being in a hostile, hostile environment, but I, I mean, maybe those things could all still be true. Yeah, that's true, but maybe, I mean, I got to suspect a lot of it's just down to his body ain't right and, you know, it's probably never going to be right and it is what it is at this point. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we should bring him back on loan next year so Mourinho can put him in the doghouse and not, like, I don't know, exile, like, son for, like, seven matches or something.
0: I mean, we saw yeah. Joe Hart. We have Doherty. Like, there's plenty of guys just that can get mad at. Fine. Keep Winx if, like, Winx is only going to exist for Jose to yell at publicly. Like, if I could live with that. I mean, it's much more likely
2: that Sissoko winds up in the doghouse than Winx. Fine, just yell at
0: somebody bad. That's all I ask. So, how hey, you guys man, feeling?
1: Man. How are you guys feeling going into city?
0: I mean, we're playing with house money. Like, we've been both so bad recently, and city have been so good recently that I expect nothing. Um, I have no idea what Jose is going to do. If he's going to try and defend for ninety minutes, or if he's going to just say "fuck it," toss caution to the wind, and you know. Prove why he can't play football like this and why he has to go back to his defensive football. Um, you know, I don't know. If, I don't know if he's like just trying to manufacture excuses to Levy about why we haven't been playing like this all along. I mean, or why he needs more players. Who knows? Who knows what wheels are turning in that evil, evil Machiavellian head? It's um, weird because.
1: Like really, the only bad thing that could happen to him in this match is if we get like absolutely shellacked. Like if we lose three nil, like in it, like it's City; they're like killing everybody right now. They haven't lost a game since they lost to us, which is saying something. If we play defensive and get do that, it is what it is. But if we lose like seven nil or something ridiculous, like if they if they hang a crooked number on us, that's where it could get. Especially like you said, Ben, if we lose to West Ham afterwards, I like. I feel like Mourinho's gotten a bit of a break because not only did we win against West Brom, but we've played two kind of fun matches in a row. And I think that's sort of, you know, and I think the fact that the Everton match was kind of stupid and it's not like Mourinho lost us that match or it doesn't feel that way um, that it's eased off, but I don't know. The city match is the kind of thing on its own. I feel like it won't amount to much, but boy, if things start to spiral, that could be the beginning of it all.
2: I, just, I think we all got our hopes up kind of coming into the West Brom match that we were like at the edge. Like all we needed was a loss against West Brom and we were home safe. And, and I think now we're all kind of, or at least I am, just settling into this is our life until yeah. at least December of next year. I'm, think, back to Greg, I'm back to that, yeah. You, and, and I mean, look, Ben is right. Like, uh, you know, a loss to City and then a follow-up loss to West Ham... Puts us basically in the same position that we were coming into the West Brom match. But I I feel like Jose will always find a way to bail himself out. Yeah, Um, it's called playing
1: Harry Kane. Yeah,
2: yeah. So, you know...
1: That's maybe the one other thing about these matches. Harry Kane is very good and looks very good and seems fine.
0: Yeah, that was definitely a concern when he came back for the West Brom match. they like, oh, Harry Kane's coming back early from injury again. What's going to happen? And, hey, eh, maybe a little rusty, but, like, he was good. It would be really
1: weird. weird if the one positive of the Mourinho era is he knows how to manage Harry Kane. Like, that would be a really weird, like, he's the only guy who can get him like, nope, you're sitting out this match. Like, you have hurt your ankles. We are not making it worse.
2: I mean, knowing how to manage him was really just having a, a
0: backup striker. It wasn't that hard. Well, it might
1: just be being famous enough to tell him to go sit down. So. Uh, maybe.
0: I mean, it was COVID. It was COVID game. me a long enough break to <laughs> true, true to get well. But
2: yeah, I just uh, like Ben said, uh, I expect nothing coming into this city game. I have no confidence uh, uh, of getting a, a real result. And so, you know, if we put, if we go out there and we fight valiantly and we give a good performance, like, great, that'll make me feel a little bit better, but it doesn't ultimately matter in the long run. We're we're now no longer really worried about competing at the top of the table. I don't even know if we're worried about competing for top four anymore. Um, yeah. I mean, if we are, then we definitely should try to get something out of this match, but I just, I don't know how feasible that is anymore. Um, I know, like, points-wise, we're not that far off of it. Um, I think we're, th- what, three points back of uh, of Chelsea in fifth, so, what, four points
1: back of Liverpool with a game in hand. Um, if we put any it kind of run of form together, it's not out of the realm of possibility. It just feels like... Right,
2: it
0: just... It feels like we're not going to do that. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Play. I mean, I don't know, maybe Kane stays healthy and that happens. I don't mean, Jose commits to attacking football and we just win a bunch of 4 3s, but who the fuck the knows? The table
0: remains very tight. Like, it's nine points to second. I will say this. Like, as we, we look at these
1: competitions, these cup competitions for the rest of the year, like, I had a, like, my overriding thought after that first half against Everton was, like, especially seeing LaMelo play so well again. Like, I just, I for all the other shit, and I, I don't want to think about does that mean Mourinho hangs around or whatever. I would like to see, and we talked about this during the Champions League year. I would like to see these guys, like guys like Eric Lamella and Hugo Lloris and Harry Kane and Deli Alley. I would like to see these guys lift a trophy in a Tottenham shirt, and it would mean it would mean a lot to me. I would be very happy to watch like Eric Lamella lift a trophy wearing a Spurs uniform, like after everything he's gone through and we've gone through and. I would like this group of players, which has started to break up. Erickson's not here anymore. is not here anymore. Dembele's not here anymore. I would like this group of players to win something in a Tottenham shirt. Sure sucks that we're going to have to play Manchester City in that final, huh? Yeah, well, maybe we'll play, like, I don't know, Inter in the Europa League final. Yeah,
0: I mean, like you never know what Man City's schedule is going to look like come April. They may have actually important games that they have to worry about, and you know they have to send out the B squad. know. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, cup. the cup B squad is... is like
2: Gabriel Jesus and Phil Foden, <laughs> and you know actual good players. The League Cup is Pep's
0: Cup, so. Yeah, the the B squad they sent out yesterday in the cup was just devastatingly good. It's like Sterling and Bernardo Silva and Kyle Walker. (laughs) Just miserable.
1: Well, maybe we'll get lucky and just play a bunch of losers in the Europa League. On that note, I think it's time to wrap it up. Brian, where can people find you on the internet?
2: You can find me on Twitter at Brian underscore Ashlock. That is Brian with a
1: Y. Ben, where can people find you online?
0: Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Spurs. where in one of my... Probably my most recent tweet is retweeting that video of Harry Winks being terrible. So, uh, go check it out.
1: (laughs) You can find me on Twitter at skipjack0079. And you can find our podcast at WDR podcast. That's WDR as in wheeler dealer radio. And don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. Um, make it five stars, make, make some Spurs fans happy. It's hard. It's hard enough to do these days. Uh, We'll be back next week, hopefully, to talk about some happier results, and hopefully my throat will be working properly again then. Until then, for Ben, for Brian, and, of course, for Brett Rainbow, I've been your host, Greg. Come on, you Spurs.